What's that? This is mint tea on ice. Did you know this is great for sisters with elevated testosterone, hirsutism, or trouble ovulating? Oh, awesome. But I don't see a tea bag in it. That's right. I've learned that tea bags have plastic particles in them. And so when you put them in hot water, you're actually ingesting the plastic. And you know how that's an endocrine disruptor. So I found this company called Peak Tea, and they use a cold brew crystallization process. So all of their tea comes in little packets, and you just dissolve the tea in cold or hot water. It's super clean. Peak Tea has no pesticides, toxic molds, or heavy metals that you might find in other teas or from tea bags. Wow, that's amazing. Amazing. Can I try some? Sure. Head over to peaktea.com, spelled P-I-Q-U-E, and use our code the Sisterhood, one word, to get 5% off your order. All right, babe. Let's take a moment to correct our posture, take a deep breath, and have some pure spectrum CBD. Sure. Hey, sisters, CBD can help with acne, inflammation, anxiety, sleep, and so many other PCOS symptoms. I personally take it throughout the day to help keep my stress hormones nice and low. Not to mention, I sleep like a baby every night and I don't wake up fatigued at all. Now open your mouth, please, so I can give you a serving. Ah. Uh... Now hold it for 60 seconds. Head over to PureSpectrumCBD.com and use the code THESISTERHOOD, one word, for 10% off. Can I stop now? Nope, you got 30 more seconds. Welcome to A Sister and Her Mister, a podcast where we show you the real behind the scenes of how we balance the PCOS lifestyle in our marriage, gluten and dairy-free. I'm Talene, your fellow sister and registered dietitian. And I'm Sirak, husband, engineer, and PCOS personal trainer. We're going to make PCOS a little less overwhelming and a lot more fun. Welcome everyone to another episode of A Sister and Her Mister. Today we're going to talk about fertility with Dr. Nadia Padiguana. She is the co-author of The PCOS Plan. In the first line of her book, it states that she has a reputation for getting people pregnant. In fact, people often seek her out specifically because they've heard from friends or coworkers, be careful, don't go to Dr. Nadia Padiguana unless you want to get pregnant. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Nadia, for joining us today. Our, uh, the episode that we did together, I believe it was episode number 30, was like a lot about insulin resistance. And it was really one of our like most popular episodes. It was super informative. And, and a lot of the sisters out there really enjoyed it. So we're very thankful for you to be back here today. I love being here with you guys. Thank you. Yes. So on today's episode, we're really going to um, go into the topic of PCOS and fertility. It's a very, you know, obviously a very common topic in the community with uh, with the sisters. So we really want to just get into it. And we'll just start off with, um, I guess, the first question that Talian has. Yes. So so oftentimes, you know, we have a lot of p- people listening. Maybe they don't want to get pregnant right now. Um, and so fertility isn't really the first thing that they're thinking of, but of course it's in the back of your head because, you know, if you want to get pregnant one day, but why do you feel like it's important for women in general or women with PCOS to make fertility a priority even before wanting to have babies? I think this is a great question. And remember, we talked a little bit about this in your, uh, in, on episode 30, if that's the, if that's the right number, I'm going to repeat it because yeah. <laughs> I remember <laughs> saying to you guys that, and I realized from watching your other episode that you remember all the episodes, right, Sarak? <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh, dang, you watched the last episode too. <laughs> I did. Uh, so I, I said to you guys last time that the, I'm so excited to talk to you guys and your audience of young women 
because one thing I wish I had learned, and this is why it's so important, the work that I'm doing and that you guys are doing, is to really get to young women early. Prevention is the best medicine, of course, as you know. And uh, when I and many women uh, decide to get pregnant and they fail, that's when they take things a lot more seriously, right? F fertility, infertility, um, I've often said, you know, it was quote unquote a blessing in my life because it made me take my health more seriously. I was a very thin young woman. So you never think that you have health concerns if you're thin. I was a thin PCOS kind, even though I had the Frank type of PCOS, I was thin. And so, and I had a lot of other health concerns like IBS. I, I think I mentioned that to you guys, a lot of mood concerns and, and many other things, but, uh, I never did anything about it. My doctors never did much about it or recommend because I was thin. I was disregarded. A lot of young women that I work with and you guys work with are not thin, unfortunately. Uh, so they have that added uh, concern. But maybe they start looking into their health a little bit deeper if they have the weight concern and they take it a little bit more seriously. So in, in, a, in a way, quote unquote, it's another blessing, even though we know what that, that it's something that has to be addressed. Okay. So why do you need to address this early? Well, one, because you don't want to go through 10 years of infertility or possibly never get pregnant, which I have uh, a few, quite a few uh, ladies that I talk to now in, in postmenopausal years that now that they've read our book and have worked with us, um, realize that they had PCOS and that their infertility was actually caused by this concern that could have been addressed years ago. And fertility medications didn't work for them. Uh, for a number of reasons, but probably because their insulin resistance was so was 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 a huge concern and it really messed with their hormones. So it's really important. The earlier on that we deal with this, the better results we're going to have. Um, and I think also the prevention of all the other concerns. So it's not just infertility; it's all the other associated conditions that come with PCOS. So by the time I got diagnosed with PCOS and started working on my fertility concerns, I already had pre-diabetes, eventually diabetes, and hypertension. So I, and eventually I did have a type of cancer that's related to this. So this school, uh, you know, hopefully we can prevent these young women from ever having any of this. If you, if they know right from the get go, what the problem is, as we often say, and as you guys often say, if the problem is insulin, then let's lower insulin, not to take a fertility medication, you know, not take a diabetic medication or a hypertension medication or an anxiety and all of these other med. Like I, I was on like 10 medications at one point and so are many of my clients, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think when a lot of people, they want to like target a fertility medication, like I, I, I always see like common questions about specific brands of pills, like for fertility. Mm -hmm. And like, I agree, it's usually starting with it's not just about getting uh, being fertile but it's also about going to the root causes like you're saying insulin resistance and things like that looking into the those conditions instead of just identifying the fertility pills yeah not just that but also being able to ovulate is important in general like not because you want to get pregnant but in mm -hmm. general because you want to produce enough progesterone that affect affects your mood you know of course it affects your symptoms and um getting your period on time and your you know everything that you listed preventing cancer and so on but just like in general you want to ovulate you want to be fertile and mm -hmm. functioning yeah. You know, oftentimes you feel like broken when your doctor um, diagnoses you with PCOS and then yeah. you're like, 
I, I can't, I'm broken. What's going on? I need, you know, medication, this, that, but you can actually reverse it through lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. And another reason, um, maybe doctor, you can, uh, point this out is like the snowball effect, right? Like if you don't start now in 10 years, isn't, isn't it going to be like a lot harder than it is if you started now? Unfortunately it is right. And this is why diabetes, obesity, and any other expression of metabolic syndrome is thought to be a chronic progressive disease that you can't do anything about because it gets worse and worse, but it's not chronic and progressive. It's definitely reversible, but the further up on the spectrum you are, the more expression you have, the more challenging it is, the more insulin resistant you are. So it's going to take you a little bit longer to become insulin sensitive again. One thing that we didn't mention, but we should, and it's, I think we write about this in the book is one of the reasons why I am happy to talk to young women and happy that young women are reading the book and working with you guys and us. And it's not just because getting it to this earlier means that they're going to have less issues, but it's the notion, and I know this from firsthand experience, that if you get pregnant with PCOS, and you, you will, very likely, you can and you will with fertility medication. Fertility medication is very successful in women with PCOS. But if you get pregnant with PCOS, you're at a very high and likely risk of having serious pregnancy complications, the first one being miscarriages. We see this all the time. And then gestational diabetes, preeclampsia and pregnancy-related hypertension, postpartum depression, and then very serious risks in the babies. So babies born to mothers with PCOS have a lot, and this is written in the book, and there's resources and studies that show this. This is not unknown in the medical community. So fertility medication can definitely get you pregnant, but you're going to have a lot of pregnancy complications, postpartum complications, and your baby might be, might uh, is, is an understatement, will be at a much higher risk for metabolic syndrome, which means childhood obesity, diabetes, et cetera. And is this because um, maybe the person wasn't focusing on the underlying conditions and instead went with a fertility pill option? Is, could that, is that the reason why? For sure. So you're, you're getting women to, like Celine said, you're getting women to ovulate. And so if you ovulate, you obviously can become pregnant or you're doing artificial insemination or IUI or whatever else you're doing. So you're, you're taking the egg and putting in the sperm and putting that back into a woman that has hyperinsulinemia and insulin resistance. And so she's going to be at a very high rate because pregnancy in and of itself is a hip, is an insulin resistant condition. So I know from firsthand, my children, both born, uh, because I didn't, I, I used low carb diet to get pregnant and metformin to get pregnant, but I didn't, I, I didn't follow any of this during the pregnancy. I had, I was, and I, as I said, I was a frank type of PCOS. I got pregnant very quickly. So women with PCOS, even the ones with a frank type can get pregnant very quickly with stimulation and whatnot. But I definitely had PCOS. Um, and my children were exposed to this hyperinsulinemic state, hyper high levels of insulin. And, and it's obvious. Uh, we, we've, we're actually, we've worked with endocrinologists and and diagnose them. And of course, it's interesting. It's not easy to deal with children. Well, not easy. It's it's not, you don't, you don't wish that and don't want that upon your children ever. Yeah. Yeah. So just backtracking to what you said, all of these things that could happen while pregnant, 
could possibly be avoided if you address your fertility sooner and really get a hold of your ovulation and your insulin resistance and all of the underlying issues of PCOS before you start trying to get pregnant. Right. You don't have to address your fertility sooner. You don't, you don't have to, (laughs) um, but, but it's exactly it. It it ends up being that you want optimal fertility, which means it doesn't mean you're going to get pregnant right away. So it's not, it's not that you're, you only do this when you're trying to get pregnant. It's exactly what you guys are saying. It's right. not that you won't start to deal with your insulin resistance when when you realize you're infertile. It's knowing ahead of time. It's understanding what is happening in your body. And as you said, you know, you might be young and not want to conceive right now, but you will likely want to conceive in the future. And so you will conceive in the future, especially if you take matters into your own hands ahead of time. And the earlier you do it, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Okay. So going into that, why do women with PCOS, like what, you know, can you explain what is happening that makes us struggle with fertility and some women don't struggle with fertility? That's a, a great question. So as I said, PCOS women are not infertile. Okay. This is why they get pregnant because they have most often they have two ovaries and they have lots of follicles. In fact, they have a good chance with uh, fertility treatments because they have so many follicles. Follicles are the immature eggs, right? For proper ovulation, you need one mature egg every month. What happens with PCOS, the underlying concern of PCOS is high insulin, which is a hormone. This high insulin, you would think it would only be um, involved in metabolism and weight, in diabetes, but in fact, PCOS is known as diabetes of the ovaries because the ovaries have many receptors for insulin. And if you understand the nutrition behind this and evolutionary history of why this is important, right? That it's important that inside the body, the ovaries know if there's enough nutrients out there to have a child. So there's lots of insulin receptors in the ovaries. Unfortunately, when uh, insulin is off, a couple of things happen. Number one, it causes your ovaries to produce an excess amount of testosterone. So the insulin receptor. So hormones are messengers. It tells your body what to do. Your ovaries are glands, meaning that they produce hormones. Glands produce hormones, okay? Even though insulin is produced in another gland, the ovary produces certain hormones, as you know, but it also produces testosterone. When you have high insulin, you because all women have levels of testosterone, male hormone, right? When you have high insulin, you produce too much testosterone. It's a, it's a signal. The main problem is not that you have actually your testosterone is too high because some women's testosterone level is actually normal, even if they have PCOS. It's that insulin causes another organ, the liver, to underproduce. So too much insulin causes the liver to underproduce something called sex hormone binding globulin which is a globulin, it's a molecule that binds to testosterone and prevents overexpression of testosterone. So it's okay to have a lot of testosterone if you have enough sex hormone binding globulin to bind to that, make sure the testosterone is going where it's supposed to go and not going to other places like your skin and creating acne and your scalp and creating baldness and halting uh, your ovaries from uh, maturing that one egg. So these abnormal hormone levels cause your ovaries. So that's where all the expressions come from, from the, this is why you see when a young woman 
has PCOS. You can see it. It's the overexpression of these male hormones that are not bound to this globulin. There isn't an, the body doesn't produce enough globulins in the liver. Most of these situations are caused from too much insulin. But now, in the ovaries specifically, the testosterone receptors, again, too much free testosterone, too much expression of testosterone in the ovaries causes the follicles, so these immature eggs, to not mature. So you have lots of follicles that get to a certain size, but they never grow past that size. And like regular ovulate, we talked about progesterone and the other hormones. LH is the hormone that would trigger the follicle to mature and for you to ovulate. So now you have lots of follicles, which on, on ultrasound, they look like lots of cysts, but they're immature follicles. You shouldn't have all of these immature follicles. You should have uh, smaller that you don't see on ultrasound, but you should have one big, large, mature one that comes out every month. That's ovulation. So that's how insulin and insulin resistance, overproduction of insulin, hyperinsulinemia is behind all of this abnormal mechanism. Well, that is such a beautiful explanation yeah. of such a complicated thing. I'm going to listen to that like four <laughs> times and take notes Seriously. just so I can remember. Like, well, It's super easy to understand and explain this because, you know, as, as you said, I'm the co-author of the PCOS plan, Dr. Jason Fung, who's really good at explaining these complicated scientific things in a very simple way. He wrote all these chapters and I work with another gynecologist and we had a call yesterday. We did an interview and he explained this even better. So the, 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 the thing is, and both of these guys, these doctors say the exact same thing. This is basic science. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is basic grade nine science. And we just forget how important insulin is. Yeah. Triggering yeah. all that testosterone. Yeah. One thing you said, I just like, it uh, was cool to me or not cool, but like, I've never heard before was PCOS is a diabetes of the ovaries. Like that's something I've never heard before, but it makes sense because the insulin yeah. ha is having all the, th that impact. Impact. Yeah. On your ovarian function. Yeah. So now the listeners and me and everyone, now we can wrap our heads around what's happening. Yeah. And it's motivating to do something about it. Yeah. Once you know the science behind it. Yeah. And like knowing that what's triggering it and knowing like what you can do differently to make the science work for you, then you kind of like feel like you have control over your body and like you can almost like make your body do anything. Exactly. It's just about learning and then applying what you learned. Mm-hmm. It's thank you. I agree. It's actually a message of hope. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I always get these messages. I have this and I have that. Like people, first of all, PCOS women always think they're one of a kind. Oh, yeah. It's so strange. They always Why think they're one happening? of a kind. There's so many. But it's people. the most common endocrine condition in young women, right? In women. Yeah. But they always think they're one of a kind because I don't know. I don't know what it is. We don't talk about it enough. We don't give it enough importance. Um, Whatever it is. I mean, you know the PMS, premenstrual syndrome, you know that's a hyperinsulinemic state. So the more insulin, I, I, I hope to work with a gynecologist that we do research with and do a lot more work into this. But things like PMS, which is super common, we either pretend it doesn't exist, we make fun of it, or we blame the woman, or we think it's all in the head. But really, it's the more hyperinsulinemic you are, the more expressions of PMS you have. And if you understand all of the expressions of PMS, or basically hyperinsulinemia, right? Mm -hmm. Right. The irritability, the bloating, the cravings, everything. Yeah, we were just watching Everybody Loves Raymond and they were making fun of Deborah for having PMS. And it was just oh, yeah. like, we were like, man, how episode. could they joke about this? Or like, we were just like, this is so 90s television, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. 
So what are some of the things that you recommend that women can do to promote fertility naturally, even before they want to have babies? The first thing is knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. right? You have to understand this because if you're chasing something, I always joke because I'm a, I'm a coach, right? I'm a, as, I, as, I, as I was saying to you guys before, I'm a fasting and dietary coach. So I always joke with my clients, you know, I'm your coach, keep your eye on the ball. So don't be out, you know, often women with PCOS and like other clients that I have, they're focusing on a million things at once. Right. And they're not doing anything really because they're trying everything that they hear. You've got to focus. You've got to know what the problem is. The problem is insulin. We've just talked about how insulin is really the hormone that plays uh, one of the biggest roles in this abnormal ovulation and, and not just the abnormal ovulation, but all the other expressions, the physical expressions of hyperandrogenism, so high testosterone, right? So young women that reach out to you guys, I'm sure much the same as, as my young women, they're worried about facial hair, they're worried about acne, they're worried about the baldness, they're worried about the belly, right? If you understand that you need to lower insulin, that's why, you know, you guys um, recommend, um, I, I, I don't never know how to say this properly, the the supplement inositol, ovacetol, yeah, ovacetol, right? Because it it impacts your insulin resistance, right? So if you understand this, if you understand that through diet and proper intermittent eating or intermittent fasting, you're going to impact your insulin production. Because girls don't want to hear insulin; they're like, okay, I don't care about insulin. I care about my acne. I care about my hair. So if they understand that that's caused from too much testosterone, now they want to lower the testosterone. So when you start talking to them about insulin, they're like, I don't want to hear about insulin. I want to lower testosterone. So you have to understand, you have to explain to them that it's the connection. High insulin causes too much testosterone, but most importantly, it causes your liver to underproduce. So low levels of this very important globulin that's going to bind testosterone. So then the testosterone can't have these ugly expressions on them. So they have to understand that that's the problem. If you know the problem, then the solution is simple. How do I lower my insulin? Now they're not focusing on a million things. You know, now maybe they're looking at the right diets, the right possibly supplements or even medication like metformin. Metformin can help. I took metformin, but if you if you just look at that, it's too superficial. You need to go deeper. How to actually lower the insulin? You need to I have these five pillars that I follow and I teach all the people that I work with. You need to eat less often. Not eat less. Important. It's not a low-calorie diet. It's eat less often. You need to learn to eat earlier in the day. You must understand the circadian rhythm, the day-night cycle of insulin. Okay. You need to find out which foods cause your body to produce too much insulin. Okay. So choose a real food diet. You guys recommend a gluten-free and a dairy-free diet. I completely agree with that because these are probably the two biggest of the food groups, the two biggest insulin-producing foods. Okay. There are others. And, and it's important to know, okay, now what to eat. So getting up with that. And then four and five, stress and sleep management. You guys talk, I think, quite a bit about this, the different forms of PCOS, how uh, the adre adrenals impact your insulin production. It's important to understand this. But again, it all comes down to insulin. I think you guys were telling me last time it's the adrenal, inflammatory, uh, insulin, insulin resistance, inflammation. Oh, we said that hypothyroid. Yeah. So all of, well, the hypothyroid is just, it's a different hormone. And so hormones communicate with each other, uh, the thyroid, I mean, but the idea that inflammation, obviously insulin resistance, 
uh, adrenals, so your stress hormones impact your insulin production. So this is all related. If your inflammation is high, your insulin is high. If your insulin is high, your inflammation is high. Directly correlated. Yeah. Right. And then speaking on what you, the first pillar you said, you know, eat less often. As you mentioned, it doesn't mean eat less calories, but it's talking about like, you know, that that like that thing that says, oh, eat every two hours, eat eat every hour to keep your metabolism high. You know, it's not that doesn't really apply when it comes to like insulin resistance, right? So you kind of you're recommending to kind of eat just like breakfast, lunch, like dinner, and like not snack too often between. Is that what you mean? Well, uh, my recommendation is fully based on that full meals no snacks so not snacking too often is 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 a gentle way of starting but if you want actual healing and also depending on how far along in the spectrum people are we we can look at some healing uh, therapeutic fasting as it's called how much do you have to fast but the most important thing that the i call i joke that it's the beyonce of the show it's the main event the main thing is full meals no snacks that has to be your, if you're looking to lower insulin, you need to eat and then drop that insulin completely before you have another meal. And that takes four hours at least. Yeah. yeah. I definitely feel like when I eat a lunch or when I eat dinner and I'm in a certain state where I'm like not full, like I didn't have a snack, I'm ready to eat, I'm not starving. Like I feel like my metabolism is where it needs to be to burn off that meal. Like I know exactly what you're trying to explain right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because it all depends on insulin. Insulin determines whether you store or burn. Right. Yeah. Can you elaborate on um, calories? Because I know that a lot of women out there think that cutting calories can help. So I know you mentioned, obviously, it's not about calories. It's about how often you're eating. Can you elaborate on that? I can. Um, I'd love to give you a resource, a really good resource for that. So my co-author, Dr. Jason Kong, who I work with, uh, at the fasting method, his very first book is called The Obesity Code. And the code is actually explaining this very well. He also wrote other books called like The Diabetes Code. He's now coming out with one called The Cancer Code. But the code explains this insulin connection to diabetes, obesity, PCOS, etc. Because, first of all, your body doesn't have calorie receptors. So it means nothing. Your body doesn't know calorie. Okay, It knows. It 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 works in a totally different way and you have to understand. And just as we were, we were talking how this whole insulin connection, it's your different organs in your body produce hormones in response to things. It doesn't produce hormones in response to calories. Okay. So a calorie from uh, salmon is going to have a totally different, give a totally different message to your body than a calorie from a cookie. Yeah. So if you're following a low calorie diet, especially for weight loss. This doesn't, I know this has been the recommendation for years and years, but we all know it doesn't work, but we keep doing it. So the whole eat less, move more, it doesn't work and it hasn't worked. And it definitely won't work for PCOS women because PCOS women, and there's studies on this, they do not eat more. So they don't need to eat less. They eat more often and they eat more sugar and they eat more all thing carbs. And that's why you guys talk about this all the time, because all PCOS women want, they don't want you to tell them that they can eat lots. They just want you to tell them that they can eat all the fruit that they want and all the carbs that they want. And they want people to call it healthy, right? Because their insulin is so high. So they're constantly looking for, but that's not what they need to do. What they need to do is they need to kill that insulin beast. They need to lower insulin so that they're not constantly craving 
and snacking and grazing. Mm-hmm. And this is so important, such an important message because women are told to just lose weight if they want to get pregnant and they often turn to cutting calories and like you said, you know, turning to- Losing weight ends up helping women to many weight loss uh, methods. Again, because, because most often they lower insulin, but lowering your calories is- just lowering calories is not going to do that unless you're uh, changing your diet to a lower insulin diet. So changing a diet to a healthier, depending on what you call healthy, but the fact if they're snacking less, they're going to lower insulin. Okay. If they're switching certain foods for foods that create less of an insulin response, they're going to lower insulin. So all of these things are going to help, but just lowering calories and eating uh, a million times a day is going to raise your insulin and it's going to increase your insulin resistance, which again, is going to lead you further down the spectrum. Yeah. And right. we even learned in a recent interview that if cutting calories um, uh, increases the, the likelihood of gallstones. And for that reason, like women with PCOS at, are at higher ch- uh, risk of gallstones because many of them are told to cut calories, cut fat and things like that. Mm-hmm. That is very true. A lot of the people that have gallbladder issue, well, most of that's the that's the issue is because your gallbladder is this little organ that all it does is collect bile, and bile is this. Uh, it's a your body produces bile to digest fat. So if you're not digesting fat, you just keep collecting this old putrid bile, and it it if it, it your gallbladder becomes inflamed because instead of cleaning out new bile and old bile out to do what it's supposed to do, it just sit in there. So low fat diets will lead to inflammation and and eventually stones for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 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 All right. Um, so what are some tips for a woman with PCOS who wants to get pregnant now? (laughs) Right now. Someone's listening very, very quickly. (laughs) Yeah. So I I guess, I mean, it would just be like focusing on like everything we talked about insulin, but were there any other like like specific action steps for the woman listening right now who wants to get pregnant and lose weight? Well, I, I work with those women. So I've got women that are 44 years old that call me and say, I want to get pregnant yesterday or 10 years ago, right? And I haven't. And eight years of infertility, 10 years of infertility, 11 years and 13 years. And if they're really serious, then we embark on a therapeutic fasting protocol. Because again, if the problem is insulin, you want to lower insulin. Nothing lowers insulin quicker than fasting. Because every time you eat, healthy, unhealthy, low carb, high carb, low calorie, high calorie, every time you eat, you raise insulin, right? So we do, with proper supervision and guidance, we do help women with some intermittent fasting protocols for fertility. Um, I do this. I've done this for a long time. I do this often, and I I love it because women that want to get pregnant are very motivated. I, I speak from my own personal experience. I myself, when I wanted to get pregnant with my first child, um, went on this very strict low carb diet and I, I knew very, I didn't, this was, uh, almost 11 years ago. I knew very little, uh, in comparison to what you guys know and what people know now, but I knew enough to know that I needed to go as low as possible because I wanted to get pregnant. And I did that in a month and a half, I was pregnant. And most of the people that I work with within three, four months, they're pregnant. I just had, I, I posted something last week in the same week or the same day, two women, one, Uh, had her son 11 years ago. She started with me. I don't know when it was because there was two similar cases within three months. She calls me. It's it's always the same story. It's always, it's always a miracle. It's always 
you know, coincidence, whatever you, you may think that it is, but it's always the same story. Insulin. They very committed. It's insulin and, and how quickly they lower insulin. So these are always women that do the longer fasts, that follow a proper protocol, because you can't fast your entire cycle, of course. They follow the strictest low carb diets. They're consistent. They're motivated. They're, they're these are the women that have done all the IVFs. They've done it all. They know this is this is it. This is the last chance. They'll do it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And then the one of the last questions we had was I, something we kind of uh, covered during the podcast. But the question was, what are some risks for women with PCOS who are mm -hmm. pregnant, and how can they prevent it? We talked about earlier that you're at a higher chance of miscarriages and and you know issues with your pregnancy, mm -hmm. as well as you know um, possible like metabolic um, issues with with the um, with the child. Yeah. But is there um, is there ways maybe um, they can prevent it or some things they can do to help with those issues? Before they want to get pregnant. Some positive light we want to sprinkle on our audience. <laughs> well, here's the, this is the bonus of doing it early, right? If you're doing this when you're uh, like the doctor I talked to yesterday, he's like, you get this young woman at 18, comes to her doctor, says, I have all of these symptoms, all of these, you know, irregular ovulation, cysts on ovaries. The doctor says, here, take the pill. Sure. Symptomatically, you feel, look and feel better. So she takes the pill for 10 years. Now at 28, she wants to get pregnant. But yet in those 10 years, you've done zero to help her journey. So she's got 10 years to slowly lower her insulin, to learn how to eat. So, so she, maybe she doesn't have to do the extended fasting protocols and the ketogenic diet, right? At 18, maybe you can do these more liberal real food diets with proper intermittent eating instead of prolonged fasting. So there's so much that you can do. It just depends on where you're at on your spectrum, right? And maybe now she doesn't weigh 300 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. When I was 18 and diagnosed, I wish I had known that there were things that I could have done before hopping on birth control to help with all of these symptoms and cystic acne and high testosterone and everything. Um, yeah. And like you said, there was no guidance, no support, nothing out there that gave any type of direction or simple explanation of like, what the heck is going on? I don't remember any type of information back then. And it's, it's a lot less yeah. now. I mean, like forget social media, like forget us and other accounts, but even now, like there was like studies showing that the research has declined in the last four or five years. So in PCOS, in PCOS. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the research is even less now. Yeah, so we're out here I, I, shouting on the Instagram rooftops. Yeah, and having great doctors like you, you know, yeah. with your practice and doing this podcast. So that's like the only way yeah. to make it more and more visible out there. Yeah, if I could go back in time, I would have just told myself to go gluten and dairy-free sooner, yeah. meditate more, de-stress, because that was really pumping my sugar levels, and eat less fruit because <laughs> I was eating so much fruit. Yeah. And also, you were too. Oh yeah, I I I never had a piece of meat and vegetables until I was in my thirties. Mm. Yeah, because my insulin was so high, all I ever craved was sugar and carbs. And I, again, I didn't eat a lot. I was very skinny. I didn't eat a lot. It wasn't about my weight, to be honest. That's more genetic than anything else. Uh, it was how I ate. It was just ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I thought I was eating pretty well when I was. 18. Like I was eating like, you know, a sandwich, like a salad, whatever. I thought I was eating pretty healthy, but you're young because I was young and I didn't really know 
that I was intolerant to gluten and dairy that was spiking my insulin levels and like affecting me the way it was and all this inflammation that was being caused by that and like a multiple other lifestyle factors. And I mean, it's just crazy. I also thought I was eating pretty well and everybody else thought I was eating pretty well because yeah, everyone else. All we, all we hear is fat is bad for you. So I didn't eat any fat. I hated fat. Uh, well, where would I, all I liked were, was fruit. Great. Even as a child, my, I remember my grandmother complaining to the doctor that I wouldn't eat food. I only liked fruit. And the doctor was like, great, let her eat as much as she wants. So the more I ate, the more I wanted. The other thing that I've always liked a lot was bread. So at some point it was whole grain bread was healthier. So I ate whole grain bread all day long and whole grain cereals. And I was really happy with that cereal, milk. I love milk, cereal, milk, and fruit all day yeah. long. I mean, fruit that's all loops. I needed. So how healthy? Yeah. Well, no, Fruit Loops. I I knew that was <laughs> all that great. It was through the it was through the healthy foods that I was just getting nailed with the insulin. Well, I I had tons of chocolate and everything else and candies and I was just a sugar addict. Yeah. And then it sounds like when you were trying to get pregnant, you went like very low carb. Is that like like a keto diet? Would you, would you call it a keto diet? What you were doing? It, yes, it wasn't called a keto diet then, but it was I call it was a detox I used to give people. So I, I describe this pretty well in the book because it's such an interesting journey, how much I learned from working with people. I started to realize that people, when they went on these really low carb diets and uh, detoxes, as I called them at the time, or elimination diets to lose weight, they ended up getting pregnant in their 40s. Like this was the this is why I got this reputation. So then when it was my turn, I was I was younger. I was 31 or whatever, 32 at the time. To me, it was super old, right? I, like, I felt like I should have had kids in my 20s. Uh, now, tons of my clients are in their 40s trying to get pregnant. But anyway, and so I made that link. And, and to me, it was like, I want to get pregnant yesterday, not, not, you know, in whatever year. So I went as low. Nobody told me to. It was just something that I inferred from my experience. And I did it and I ovulated and I didn't ovulate for like a year, almost a year. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. It must have been really hard to cut carbs like that or to cut out sugar in general. Everything's hard, right? It's all about perspective. It's all about motivation. Worth it for yeah, sure. Yeah, motivation. But... And then you get, you <laughs> get but also like you get used to it too. It's just like, yeah. it's just like you, it's a very hard period in the first week or so. And then like the moment you start realizing, oh, like I'm okay now. Like I don't yeah. really, I'm not craving things anymore. And then yeah. it gets so much easier. Well, it's hormonal, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. the more carbs you eat, the more sugar or anything sweet, sweeteners or anything else that you eat, the more your insulin goes up and the more you crave. The minute that you go low carb and you have, you know, we all have, and I, I wasn't a chronic dieter, right? Because I was thin. I had never been through a million diets. So it was easy enough to do it the first time, to be honest. And it was like, this is what I got to do. This is what I'm going to do. And because you're, it's so strict, Within a few days, my insulin dropped and my cravings went away. So then you're no longer craving. You're just eating what's in front of you. That's the, that's, I call that killing the insulin beast. Yes. You can either tame or you can kill the insulin beast. If you, if you were to just like cut it out completely or fast, which is what some people do, like extended fasting, you would kill the insulin beast. Your cravings go away within a couple of days. You can tame the beast by choosing to eat things that are a little, little bit lower in producing insulin. And things get easier and easier over time. Yeah. I love that. I Killing love the insulin beast. Yeah. 
This should be the name of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's somebody, one of my clients, I don't think she's a client, but she's a follower. She created an Instagram account called Taming the Insulin Beast from reading my article. <laughs> I was very honored. And, she, you know, that's it, it. it's something that she, she really uh, understood. Yeah, it's very creative. Mm -hmm. So uh, speaking of your approach, can you explain how um, fellow sisters can find you and possibly maybe contact you for a consultation if that's possible? Sure. Yes, absolutely. I, as I said, I was saying to you guys, I've worked for the fastingmethod.com. It's an online program for a long time, over four years. Um, it's co-founded by Jason Fung and Megan Ramos. And so it's easy enough to find me there, the fastingmethod.com. If you uh, slash coaching, you can figure out how to uh, have some consultations with myself and my other colleagues. Um, Jason and I wrote a book, as you've mentioned many times, the PCOS plan. It's preventing reverse polycystic ovary syndrome through diet and fasting. It's a great explanation of all of this that we've talked about today, including the science, which Jason wrote. And then it has a great practical se uh, section that talks about fasting and, and a lower carb diet. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And we will be planning a future episode about fasting with you. So yes. listeners, just be aware in a, in a month or so, or, <laughs> or whenever we, when we can schedule, we'll do a, a complete episode on PCOS and fasting. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Talk to you soon. Talk to All you right. soon. Bye. Bye-bye. All righty, sisters. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We'll be back with another one next week. Talk to you guys later. Bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come check out The Sisterhood. It's my monthly membership site where sisters just like you are learning how to move through the stages of PCOS. From stage one, cold and alone at the doctor's office, to stage five, nailing the PCOS lifestyle, gluten and dairy free. Get ready to finally feel in control of your body again. Sister and Mister.